Welcome to the Winning with Shopify podcast. This is the podcast that will teach you to take your Shopify store and turn it into a business growing sales machine. It has the latest marketing, email, sales, SEO, and social media advice, and also has strategies and tips from the experts without fluff. Your host is Nick Truman. He's a Shopify expert and an education partner with the Shopify approved course, 1000 Sales and Beyond. He's the CEO of JustAskParker.com, a global specialist marketing agency for Shopify owners. Nick has over 13 years experience in digital marketing from PPC and SEO through to digital transformation of businesses. He's helped hundreds of brands from startup Shopify stores through to international enterprises that operate in hundreds of countries. Nick will be sharing his knowledge and interview the experts to help you in your journey to success. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. Now, here's your host, Nick Truman. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Winning with Shopify podcast. For those of you who haven't tuned in before, and I say this every week, please hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. We post every single Friday. We try to do it by midday in the UK, where I'm based in London, which means if you're in the US, things should be live on all channels, all platforms by mid-afternoon. So if you haven't hit that button yet, please hit the subscribe button. For anyone as well who's not tuned in or hasn't tuned in in the last probably six months, I think it's been now, by the time this episode goes out, I am called Nick. I've taken over from Caroline on the podcast. Caroline is still very much involved in the business, but I am now running the podcast. I've got a background of nearly 15 years in Google advertising, SEO, general digital marketing, websites, consultancy, etc. So feel free to send in any questions you want, any topics you want us to cover on the show. But moving into today's episode, Today, we are talking about Pinterest advertising, and this is episode four of our recent PPC series on pay-per-click advertising. So we've covered Google Ads, we've covered Google Shopping, we've covered Facebook advertising last week, and this week, we're going to be talking about Pinterest. We've got something very, very special coming up next week that I'm going to announce at the end of the show today. So please keep listening until at least then to find out what's going on next week. It's very, very exciting, and I cannot wait to tell you all. And also, just to quickly flag, if you haven't listened to our SEO series or our Bright Pearl series that we did over the last sort of three or four months, do go back and listen to some of the older episodes. So we had some amazing guests, some really, really good insights being shared and all that sort of thing as well. So without further ado, I want to introduce today's guest. Her name is Nina, and she's an absolute expert in Pinterest advertising. I've been lucky enough to share the digital stage with Nina before in the past, and that was actually with Caroline for Just Ask Parker. And there's a video of us on YouTube somewhere. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Nina. How are you doing today? I'm good. Uh, thank you for inviting me. It's uh... Great to be here today, and I look forward to um, telling people a little bit more about Pinterest ads. Brilliant. Well, we've got a long list of questions, yes. some that have been <laughs> sent in, some that I've written. So we'll try and get through as many as we can today. But just before that, do you want to just give us a really quick background to yourself, Nina, about how you ended up in Pinterest, what sort of things you do, and, and that kind of thing? Okay. Yes. Well, I started working with Pinterest by accident, really. I had a blog and I started getting traffic from Pinterest. And I was like, oh, what is this Pinterest? And I started digging into it and realized it's amazing traffic generator for blogs. And from there on, many years has gone by. And nowadays I run a Pinterest marketing agency and we focus on e-commerce clients. We still have bloggers as well, but vast majority are e-commerce stores. So I help international clients from all over the world to sell their products better with Pinterest. 
Awesome. And thanks so much for the, the kind of overview, because I think it's always important for all of our listeners and certainly myself just to understand what sort of questions should we pose? What sort of things should we talk about? Just before we dive into, and I told you we're going to end up on some tangents. Before we start, let's go on a quick tangent. If somebody's not got Pinterest set up right now, you mentioned about Pinterest is sending traffic in. So before we talk about advertising specifically, how can somebody get set up? Why should they do it? And what can they expect to see when they do sign up? Okay, so I'm going to talk first, like why Pinterest is a great place to advertise or do any kind of content marketing is it is a search engine. So it should be kind of compared to Google more than Instagram or Facebook. And Pinterest users are on the platform to kind of focus on themselves. They're not chatting with friends or anything. They're actually looking to get inspired. They're looking for new products. They're planning things. So it's a totally different mindset from somebody who's on Instagram, for example. And with this 2020 crazy year, it has done really well for Pinterest. So they've had 37% growth in their monthly active users, which is now 442 million. And it's still growing. Wow. It is a... A lot of people say it's a shopping platform, which it kind of is because it's a visual search engine. It's really easy to find the right product you want. It's easier and better than Google image search. So for e-commerce, it's really, really beneficial to be there. And if somebody signs up on Pinterest, and I know from experience working with bloggers and influencers and seeing some of the statistics from Pinterest... What's the first thing that somebody can expect to see if they join Pinterest, pin a load of images, set up some boards? What's the first thing they'll see happen on their sites? They probably get a little bit overwhelmed when they sign up. So like, what is Pinterest? But then they start actually noticing that they are found, they get traffic without really trying because it's a search engine. And if you do a little bit of keyword optimization or on the pins, they can actually see traffic coming in without doing much work. And there's no need for consistent work either if it's very well optimized. Sure. And I think going back to what I was saying about bloggers, I go to a lot of blogger conferences around the world. Obviously, nothing this year because we're all (laughs) stuck at home. But previously, I've been all over the world speaking at blogger conferences and running little kind of incubator clinics, workshops, that sort of thing. And when I've looked at bloggers in particular, even really small bloggers with maybe... I don't know, 5,000 people subscribed on their email lists and some really small followings on Instagram, Facebook. They set up Pinterest and suddenly they get, and no word of a lie, they get 20, 30, 50,000 hits a month from Pinterest. Conversion rates tend to be quite low because there's a lot of people just kind of clicking around and seeing what's going on. But I was astonished to see those kind of numbers and be like, wow. So if you built a really good website, good design, good user experience, good content, et cetera, You've got all these people coming in and hitting your website and landing on there. You've got every reason to start and you've not paid a penny for these people. It's not been difficult to set up Pinterest. So I I would recommend to everybody, if you haven't got Pinterest yet, set it up and invest a bit of time in, especially if you've got visual products, as as Nina says, you know, if you're selling clothing or anything that's kind of eco-friendly shampoos, anything like that, I would absolutely recommend getting Pinterest set up, especially the free side of things, even if you're not planning to, uh, to advertise. But okay, so going into Pinterest advertising then, what do Pinterest ads look like? Like, How, how does it work? What, what can you achieve by paying for Pinterest advertising? Well, the ads are kind of similar to what you see on Facebook or Instagram, except the image format is different. Pinterest is used on a mobile, 
and their newsfeed is a little bit different than other platforms might have. So it's really important to have tall pins or tall images or tall videos on Pinterest. And that's actually something that a lot of people make a mistake. They just copy their horizontal Facebook image into Pinterest and start advertising and they probably are not getting anything out of it. But we can talk about more of that later when we talk about actually what kind of images or adverts they should be using. But Pinterest ads are, you can run traffic campaigns, you can run conversion campaigns, and even awareness campaigns. I think for small business, awareness should be forgotten completely. It's more for the bigger brands. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And in terms of pricing, they're very affordable, even for the small or new uh, stores. And they are not, because... Pinterest is not the Facebook or Instagram where everybody's advertising. Uh, Pinterest, you might actually do much, much better on Pinterest versus other platforms, purely because you have less competition and you can, you don't have to pay as much for each click or each conversion. Sure. And I think that's a really valuable point as well to make. And it's, it's quite similar still with YouTube advertising where there's, as you say, there's not much competition. So when it comes to advertising, and we'll come on to this a bit, a bit more later, but with advertising, it's, it's pound for pound or dollar for dollar, isn't it? It's, I've spent $5 on my ads. Have I made at least $10 back because I've got a 50% margin on my products? So anything less than double is a loss. So the less people that are advertising, the less competitive it is. Therefore, the cheaper it is generally to get in front of a customer because most of it's based on an auction. So, yeah, I think absolutely a, a really interesting channel to look at. Hence why I wanted to get you on the show. And I'm just going to pick up on something you mentioned. This was going to be my next yeah. question. And you've already covered kind of half of it. But I think let's dig a bit deeper into in terms of building kind of e-commerce revenue versus brand awareness. You mentioned I'm very much in the same sort of place of unless you've got a really strong brand or you're a very well-known brand and you're becoming quite a big brand, you know, you've got a good, good percentage of your industry now. I certainly think brand awareness is best parked for the time being. So therefore, what kind of ads can you use and how would you approach a campaign on Pinterest then to actually drive some revenue, to acquire some new customers, to get some sales through the door? What's the best approach in, in your experience to it? I know, it's, I know it's not a simple answer, yeah. <laughs> um, but what's the best approach to get started or to at least test and see see if it might work? Well, the easiest is probably creating a campaign, a uh, conversion campaign or traffic campaign. They might be slightly cheaper on the per click, but conversion campaign, Pinterest will look for people who would most likely convert on your website as well. And Creating a, two campaigns, one is for just a raising awareness. It's not an awareness campaign, but raising awareness about your brand and product. And then creating another campaign that retargets those that actually visited your store with the first campaign. It takes usually a lot of steps. I think it's seven or something before somebody goes from never hearing a brand to when they're ready to purchase. So it's quite a long journey sometimes. And uh, one ad probably will not convert a lot of people. So you will need to think about how you can also retarget those that actually saw you before or visited your website because they're a little bit warmer than to somebody who's never seen you before. Sure. And I think, yeah, what, one, of the, one of the big questions then is a conversion campaign. In my experience, on any channel, Pinterest, Facebook, Google, et cetera, anything where you can tell the system to focus on conversions for me 
is going to be better than any other campaign. I mean, sometimes, for example, with Google, you have to get a bit of traction first, don't you? you I think you have to have um, 20 conversions or something in a 30-day window for Google Ads to then decide this is a conversion and have enough data for Google Ads to go, right, we can find more people who want to convert now because it uses that data. But I think certainly starting off with something like a conversion campaign, probably not too dissimilar to actually looking at something like um, a lookalike audience, is it? Because it'll, it'll look for those conversions and find more customers like those people who engage with those kind of adverts. So I think, would you say that's probably the, the, the strongest place to start with Pinterest? It's one option. And yes, lookalike audiences can be used as well. And if there's any already some kind of organic traffic coming from Pinterest, you can create those lookalike audience from those as well. So the sooner you get your business account on Pinterest, put your advertising tags in place, the sooner you can also start using the data of the traffic you already have. And you might be doing well maybe on Instagram and not on Pinterest, but you can still retarget those people on Pinterest as well, making sure that no matter where they go, you will follow with your ad on all platforms they might be using. So that's something to remember as well. It can be used really, really well together with Instagram ads or Google ads are actually probably even better because they're both search engines. So people are used to doing the same thing and searching for something. So there's a lot of options. And sometimes the best might be even just to create a campaign to grow an email list, not even trying to get that sale yet, but Blogging is actually really, really powerful for e-commerce. And maybe the first instance is trying to trust to get the email address. That is all. And that works really well as well. Sure. And I've asked everybody over the last kind of few months, I think, on the podcast about attribution. Let's not cover it today because I think anyone who's listened to other episodes know that it's... In fact, we had, I think, two of our guests huffed when I mentioned attribution. Yeah. But what you've touched on there, I think, is really, really important, which is if somebody's not going to buy your product on the first visit, all hope is not lost. I think, as you say, if you can capture an email address and have a really smart little email sequence. So one email goes out today that says, thanks for subscribing to our newsletter. We'll keep you in the loop. Or We've even done exercises in the past with those email campaigns where we've, for example, we did one where we set up an email campaign that where people signed up or landed on the landing page on the site to sign up. It was with a very famous beautician. So a lady who was well known for looking after her skin and doing makeup tutorials and that sort of stuff. And she had written her top 10 tips to try at home. And we built an email, a sort of email sequence that was 10 weeks long using each of those tips on one email. So people would subscribe and sign up to this email list to receive each of those 10 emails, one per week sort of thing. And we had so many people signing up. And then we realized around week six or seven, because she was mostly using products provided by the brand, because the brand believed they have the best products. She was a big ambassador of this brand, big endorser of their products. By week six, week seven, people were starting to buy stuff anyway. And then the next email sequence that kicked in said, why don't you subscribe to get this same product every week, especially a certain type of skincare, moisturizer, that sort of thing, something you're going to use quite a lot. And so I think Pinterest is a really interesting way, which we didn't use at the time, but it was a really interesting way of actually another channel we could have used to drive people to that landing page and, and actually do a bit more of a nurture campaign than just, which is what a lot of brands try and do is, you know, make millions probably too quickly. Yeah. Without sort of getting getting a few customers in, understanding what they're about, learning what they like and don't like, and then sort of adapt the product range, adapt the website, adapt the process, adapt the channels before you really sort of work out what works. Because the danger is you don't want to 
hit every customer in your industry, every potential customer in your industry too early when you're not ready and all of them dislike you, well, the business is doomed to fail now. So I think sometimes actually starting small and growing is a better strategy than some of the bigger brands have when they launch a new brand where they've got lots of money and experience behind them. Yeah. So I think definitely doing some nurture campaigns and that sort of thing is, I think is really, really key. We touched on it already. And it's a, uh, it's a question we get a lot about all channels, all websites, all advertising. What makes a good advert? And then what makes an advert bad, in your opinion? Like, what are some of the things that people need to include, certainly in a Pinterest ad, to make it effective and some of the things they should probably avoid? So, yes, talking about the, what is a good advert or bad advert Pinterest, I've seen one of the easiest way to make or break on Pinterest ad is using the right image format. So Pinterest newsfeed really requires a tall image or tall video. If you use horizontal videos or images, they're kind of lost. They're too small in the feed. And anybody who's thinking about using Pinterest ads, they should actually browse Pinterest for a while and have a look what kind of images they are and how they are formatted. And it will really, I guarantee the format will make or break your campaign for sure. Sorry, just just to interject quickly, just to make a, a sort of similar comparison is we so often recommend a channel to a client like, I don't know, Google advertising, Facebook ads. And then they, if their first reaction is something like, oh, do people even click on those? Yeah. Then instantly we know, right, we need to educate them on the sizing, what yeah. to put in them, what to not. Yeah. Especially on Facebook. I mean, they've just changed the rules on Facebook or they, they've announced they're changing the rules about text over images. Yeah. So Facebook for a long time said, no, no, text needs to be in the status and then the image goes underneath and the image just needs to be a picture, no text in the image, please, or very, very little. You can put the word sale in the corner and that's about it or the logo or something. But yeah, I think, as you say, I think if people are trying to use Pinterest to farm lots and lots of new customers and money, but have never used it, I think you're absolutely right. It's very different to the other channels. But equally, like the numbers you shared earlier, it's nearly half a billion people, half a billion users on there now, active users. So absolutely a channel to try. But um, yeah, sorry, I just wanted to make that comparison quickly before uh, before we move on. Yeah, it happens quite a lot because uh, we're used to having an image and then text either before or after the image on Facebook and Instagram. In Pinterest ads, they're one-click ad, so the user will never see the text that you might add it with the pin on the description. They will never see it. So your kind of call to actions and customer reviews, whatnot you have on the image actually has to be on the image or otherwise it will not be seen by the user. So that is something a lot of people also miss. So they use the pin description for their kind of calls to actions and all that, but that's never seen by the user. Yeah. And I think especially with Facebook is classic for this. There are so many different channels, places you can advertise on Facebook, and they all have different types of ads from stories to newsfeed. And it's the same on Pinterest. There's a few different options you can go for, but Pinterest as itself is completely different to all the other channels. And I think what a lot of people do is they go on the back end of the system to you know, create and upload their advert and they fill out all these boxes going, all right, headline, what are we going to put in there? without actually thinking and or looking at a completed advert to go, my headline's barely going to be seen. So the headline should just say limited time offer or something like that. And I'm, not, I'm not suggesting on Pinterest for a second that that's what your headline should be. But um, I'm just saying, check the format. As, as Nina says, look at the front end format of how the ads are going to look and then start building your creatives. And I think another thing to do as well is, as you say, use the platform and see other people's ads because 
I, I know there's kind of statistics, there's best practices, there's templates. But at the same time, we live by a phrase at spec that we know what good looks like. It's, sometimes you just look at it and go, I know that's good. That's a good advert. I can see exactly what the product is. It's emotive. It's got really good lighting. It might be a short video. The video was quite compelling and it hooked me in, even though there was a big button saying skip. I wanted to watch the rest of the video. I was really keen to see what this thing was. I actually had it recently with uh, a product on, um, I can't remember if it was on Pinterest or Instagram, actually. I've been using both quite a lot. But I remember I saw this video and I don't normally have my headphones on. I normally actually use these channels on mute. So I don't hear any audio from a video, but I had them in and a video started. And there's somebody saying like, oh, don't you hate it when you get in the car, you start driving and you realize you've not plugged your phone in. So it's not charging and Apple CarPlay isn't enabled. So you have to pull over, plug it in, wait for it to load and then click on Waze and set your route. Well, we've got an adapter that means you can buy a wireless charger. So you drop your phone on the charger and it starts charging. And our adapter makes Apple CarPlay wireless because lots of cars don't have wireless Apple CarPlay. And this, like I say, I've I've just ordered the product. It was really annoying because it was the day after their Black Friday sale had finished. I did email them and they said they're going to discount it for me, which is nice. But I, you know, this this video just captured it. It's something I, every time I get in the car, I have that little bit of frustration, but it was really smart. They clearly knew that I was, they, they probably see me post about the model of car I have or something to then know that I had this problem. And I think, Certainly what makes a good and bad advert, I, I'd always say the one that works, and it's, sometimes it is quite clear, as long as you look at the front end, you have a look at the front and go, that's what it's looking like on the feed to my customers or to potential customers, rather than just filling out the boxes and going, oh, we have to add this massive piece of text here, and it can be up to a thousand characters long. No one's going to see it because it's covered by a read more button. You know, it's those kind of things that I think we really need to avoid with, um, with this sort of thing. Yeah. And with kind of any kind of advertising you do, it is really important to test what works. So sometimes the not the best looking image actually converts the best. I have one fashion client where the the simplest product image of that clothing works the best against all the advertising rules, but it just converts like crazy compared to nice little lifestyle images next to it that don't convert as good as they should. So it's really, really important to test and test kind of different videos, different images, and really figure out what works for your audience. Yeah, definitely. And I I remember you just reminded me of something that happened to me years ago. So I've worked in Google PPC advertising for 15 years, nearly just under 15 years. And years ago, when I was a lot younger, and I was a bit, I was a bit, I was a bit cocky. And I was kind of like, I know everything. And I now know, I think there's that phrase, the more you know, the more you know, you don't know. And I written a load of adverts for a client of ours at the time, and I was 17, 18, working at this agency. And I'd written a load of um, ad copy for their Google ad account. And I'd made a load of spelling mistakes and typos and grammatical errors and things in an advert. And the client saw this on Google, they'd seen one of their own ads and gone, what we're paying this company and they can't even spell and quite rightly got on the phone to me very quickly to say, Nick, what are you doing? Like, please don't make typos and spelling mistakes. And I was there going, okay, this is a bit of a funny one because I don't disagree with you and we should definitely correct them. I'm looking in the stats and the ones with the typos, they've got better conversion rates than anything by mile. And I, it worked, we worked out about 80% of their sales had come through this, this one advert 
with a spelling mistake, with lots of spelling mistakes. The grammar was all wrong. And I, I think I, I put in capital letters the first two letters of a word as well and the rest in lowercase. Just a complete mess. And I sort of said to the client, like, well, I'm nervous now because if we change this and it drops, we've got a much bigger problem than your ad doesn't look very nice. And so I think, like, like I said earlier, the, the, the best advert is the one that works. I'm not saying for a second you should put typos and things in. We did correct them. But what we did actually is we corrected them in a new advert and then we only put 20 or 30% of spend into the new one until we were happy it was going to be as good because we were talking about 80% of their revenue from this advert. So it was, yeah, we needed to make sure it was done properly. But, um, but yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. And I think it's interesting to hear that such a plain advert of just a white background product image works so well. But also something we talk about a lot on the podcast and almost every Shopify store that's got any success that I've had on has said the same thing. If you get your products right, and you get your offering really, really good and really understand what it is that your customers love about you. And then you grow around those things that they love about you. You're going to see success, aren't you? So I imagine that product image. Yes, on one hand, you could say it's just the product and a white background. On the other hand, it could be decades of product development and getting the lighting just right in the studio where this, this shot was taken or getting the product to look and work in just the absolute perfect way, getting the right pricing, all that sort of stuff. So there's a lot more science behind it. But yeah, I think as you say, test. You've got, if you don't know yet, you've got to invest some money to find out what does and doesn't work. That, that is inevitable. That needs to happen either way, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And it doesn't mean that you need to have ad budget for thousands each month. Even $5, let's say $10 a day, then you can at least test something. Put one $5 into one campaign and the other one to the other one and test what works because it really is your success depends on your data and how you actually look at your data and how you can improve your campaigns. Sure. And do you think spending that that little, that small amount, do you think that's enough if you put $5 a day for maybe a week or two? Do you think that's long enough to get enough data really for the average e-commerce store, the average Shopify store, to get enough data to know what to do to improve it, if it's going to work, if it's working already? Yeah, is, is that enough data or do you think they should probably spend a bit more, a bit quicker? Or what are your thoughts with somebody that's, uh, that's new to it? You can definitely start with even $5 a day, ideally 10 then will be great. And let it run for a week or two and see what happens. All you lose is, what, $150. But then I've started campaigns with very small budgets on $10 a day and we scaled from there. But that gives you a quick indication on whether a Pinterest is right platform is for you, whether your targeting is correct or whether your ad is correct. Or, I mean, there's a lot of variations why it may work or why it doesn't work, but it's better to start with something than do nothing. If you think Pinterest is the place where your users are, you might as well test how you can make it work for you. Sure. And I guess you could always start following some competitor Pinterest accounts, couldn't you? Yes. We, we, we were fortunate enough to set up the uh, Kate Spade New York UK account many years ago on Pinterest. And that's when Pinterest was really, really new and it was all a bit unheard of. And again, because we were one of the early adopters of it at that you know, what that client was at that time, we were shocked by some of the statistics we were getting, like in a, in a good way, they were so positive. And we couldn't quite believe the traffic that was coming through. So we started running competitions and things on there, which uh, it was all very exciting. But which leads me nicely to my next question, which is around tracking. What, <laughs> what sort of tracking would you recommend? Like, is Google Analytics enough to see what's going on? Should they use UTM codes? Does Pinterest have its own tracking platform that we should all know about? Yeah, Pinterest has their own tracking 
and analytics board or reporting board. And that really is helpful. It will tell you how many clicks you got, how many impressions, how many conversions you've had. So it's really, really good place to start. It's probably a bit easier than looking at Google Analytics. And if you do already use UTM codes, it's highly recommended, but it's not necessary by any means. I would start with learning Pinterest analytics first. Sure. And um, just for anybody's benefit, I don't think we've actually mentioned UTM codes in the podcast since, yeah. certainly not since June when I've been uh, I've been hosting. So just for anybody that doesn't know what a UTM code is, it's a small bit of um, text, essentially, you put at the end of your URL. So if you were sending them to your homepage, you'd have your website.com, and then you'd put question mark and a whole load of uh, what looks like code on the end. But what it does is, um, if you go on Google and just search UTM Builder, this is the easiest way to create one. Google's own tool, it's not on google.com, it's on a slightly different name, domain, I think, uh, dev.something. But yeah, if you search UTM Builder, you can put all your variables in there. So you can put your website in and say, this is uh, the page I want them to land on. My channel is Pinterest. I'm doing this through paid ads, etc. It builds the URL that you should use. And what that URL does is anybody that comes through that URL to the site, Google Analytics segments those people under a section called campaigns. So what you can do is you can create, UTMs are free, you can create as many as you want. You could have one just for the whole of Pinterest advertising, just to see that as a quick snapshot. You can also change part of the UTM for every single advert, landing page, campaign, however you set things up, which means you can get really, really specific then to see on Google Analytics, we had all these clicks from Pinterest, who bought what, how much was spent, what were the average order values, all of that data then is nice and clear. Otherwise, Google Analytics has a nasty habit of mixing up all of your paid advertising on social channels with all of your organic. And then you can't really see which one's doing what, which is, again, another good reason to have Pinterest analytics set up as well. And the same with Facebook Pixel and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And it is really important to understand analytics at least a little bit. I know this is not the easiest topics and a lot of people don't want to even look at Google Analytics or anything else, but it is so important. Sure. That is where the, literally the money is. If you understand who comes into your website, where they come from, uh, what do they do on your website, you can transform your business like completely if you understand the data because the data will lead you to the conversions and it's such an important topic. Sure. And I hadn't thought about this before, but I think what we might do is we used to run quite a lot of analytics training at Spec. Yeah. And we still do it for our clients. What I might do, and if anyone's interested, please comment on our Facebook group, just the Winning with Shopify Facebook group or drop us an email. If anyone's interested in attending an analytics course, if we put one on, we'd probably need to charge a small amount per ticket. But if we did like a digital webinar analytics course for e-commerce about setting it up, analyzing stuff. If anyone's interested, do drop us a note because I'd be quite keen to, to schedule something in if um, if people want us to. But yeah, just as a complete side note, because as you say, yeah. Nina, it's so important. <laughs> it is. Because um, the data will tell you which adverts are working, where you're wasting money, yeah. is email pulling its way, how many orders do people make, what's your average order value, is PPC working, is SEO working? So if you don't understand it, it's one of those things where I often use the analogy that you're the same as me, Nina. We both run businesses, which means that we're both very good at sales. We're good at account management. We're good at project delivery. We're good at HR. We're good at finance. <laughs> and if you run an e-commerce business, being good at Google Analytics is absolutely fundamental. When you see big store owners and founders of big Shopify stores on the news or on podcasts or whatever saying, yeah, we had you know 1.5 million in sales last month. That's not just a random number that somebody's told them. 
they've analyzed all their data. They know what their KPIs and metrics are. And they know that if one number does this, we're then going to respond by changing something else. So if we know like a Pinterest advertising campaign is making us X amount in revenue per month, and it's only costing a fraction of that, 10, 20% of the, the revenue we're getting in, in costs, then we're going to scale that campaign up and it's going to make us loads more money very, very quickly and acquire all these new customers. It's going to grow our email databases. So again, I think, yeah, I'd almost say that if you run an e-commerce business, you need to be a analytical finance guru as much yeah. as anything else. <laughs> so yeah, I'd recommend, yeah. there are some good courses out there and the analytics help center is very, very good as well. So I'd certainly recommend investing in something. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. And then probably my last question, I think, and this is quite a Quite a funny question, I think, because <laughs> to me, the, the answer is obvious, but you might be about to tell me otherwise, and you are the expert on, uh, on Pinterest. Um, for Pinterest users, what do they look like in the sense of, and I'll give you two extremes, which is why I'm laughing slightly, is a boiler manufacturer, so somebody who manufactures boilers that go in your home, would people be browsing uh, Pinterest for the best boiler of the month and how to install a boiler and stuff like that? Or is it just better for fashion brands and Nike and Adidas would do quite well on there, that sort of thing, and Gymshark? Or is there room for everybody? What, what are your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, the good thing about Pinterest is that because the user is focused on themselves and they are usually on Pinterest to get inspired or to plan something. So that boiler manufacturer could be like, oh, actually Pinterest is a place where New homes are planned and designed and a lot of inspiration are looked on Pinterest. So maybe that is, in fact, the right place to be because those people are in the mindset of they are actively looking to do something in their home and a boiler might be a crucial part of the picture. So I would definitely test that. But it is true that fashion and beauty are huge categories on Pinterest. So for those, it's ideal. But you shouldn't discount it on just because you think it might not be the right one. It's a search engine. Go see what you find for your keywords or for your business or product. And you might be very surprised what actually that it might be just the perfect place for you to be. Pinterest user is really open to new brands. A lot of the searches or majority of the searches are unbranded. So they're not looking for Nike shoes. They're looking for shoes. So that means that you, you're not competing with those with those massive brands like you're on Google. So it's it's a really, really great place for when you want to sell something to your audience. Sure. The majority of the users are women, but men are also growing up in big numbers. So if you are looking for, let's say, let me give you an example. 80% of mothers use Pinterest. So if you have any pregnancy, nursery, baby products, your audience is already searching for you on Pinterest. So that's, it can be really powerful when you're trying to target specific audience in their big life moments. Sure. And I think, yeah, as I say, the, one of the reasons I'm laughing is actually uh, the roof of my shed came off in the wind a while ago. And it was on Pinterest. I watched a quick video, which was about 30 or 60 seconds long about how to just put, put new felt roofing on a, on a shed roof. Yeah. And it was brilliant. I was just like, well, that's done, isn't it? And I remember trying to find my logins to Pinterest just so I could log in and like click the like button so they can pin it because I thought it was such a, good, uh, such a good demonstration. But hence why I was laughing slightly is actually there are so many, it's the same as, same as on any platform, as you say, 
do a quick search, you know, see if people are advertising on there already. And I think it's certainly a, a good way to go on, uh, on that side of things. Yeah. So finally, just before we all disappear, you mentioned earlier something which to me sounded like absolutely brilliant for anyone who's listening to this podcast and thinking, oh, this sounds amazing. I need to try Pinterest. I don't really know what I'm doing. I want to start. You mentioned earlier when I sort of said, what's the best way for people to get in touch? You mentioned to me before we started recording about a Pinterest course. Do you want to tell us about the course really quickly and what it involves? Yes, I am in the process of building a Pinterest ads course and that's specifically for e-commerce. So how small e-commerce stores can start running Pinterest ads for themselves. Obviously, my agency might not be the right place for new stores, but the course might be the right way to get it started and give it a go yourself. So, yeah, I think it will be the one of the only e-commerce focused Pinterest ads course. Amazing. And if anyone's interested in that or they want to have a chat with you, what's the best way to get in touch or or best way to find the course? Uh, The course can be found on ninacolari.com and the Pinterest agency is profitablepin.com. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Nina. It's been great to have you. There's so many good insights. You're welcome. I'm sure people have been making notes in the same uh, same way that I have. So yeah, thank you so much for being on the show. And without further ado as well, I mentioned earlier that I can finally announce who our big guest is next week. Next week, I've got Shopify themselves coming on the show. It's a very good friend of mine called Tim Sumner, who's going to be joining us. We're going to be looking back over the year, a year in the world of Shopify, and talking about Black Friday, Christmas, uh, peak, how things have changed because of lockdown, all that sort of stuff. So please, please make sure you tune in next week. I'm very, very excited to have him with us. I've interviewed him before at quite a few different events and things, but nothing's ever been recorded. So it's going to be a first for Tim and I in terms of normally we'd have a beer and sit at the side of an event sort of catching up. But um, super excited to have him next week. Once again, thank you so much, Nina, for joining us today. It's great to have you with us. And if anybody hasn't already, please hit the subscribe button. As I say, we'll be back next week with Shopify. We're going to do a special episode over Christmas as well that I'm planning at the moment. And then into New Year, we're going to be interviewing store owners. So specific Shopify store owners that are doing great things in the world. And that might be by growing their store. It might be by doing something ethical or something that's going to give back to the world as a result of running their business. So thanks again for listening. We've got probably two more shows before the end of the year, one more before Christmas. So make sure you tune in next week and we'll be back then. Sign up for free for the Shopify-approved marketing course at 1000salesandbeyond.com and get our show notes at justaskparker.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening to the Winning with Shopify podcast. See you next time.